Welcome to our weekend podcast. I'm so excited that you've chosen to listen in this weekend. Uh, I have to be honest up front, uh, this week was really a roller coaster kind of a week when it comes to sermon preparation. Uh, you know, we're in week two of our study on the book of James, and uh, already God is working in incredible ways. But as I started my sermon preparation this week, I thought I was going to touch more on uh, James chapter one as a whole. Uh, really highlighting some of the main themes that we see throughout the chapter. And then as the week went on, uh, I realized there's just too much there to tackle in one message. Uh, So today we're going to look at James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. And then again, there's a lot of great material throughout the rest of the chapter. So I want to encourage you to read that, uh, pray about that, and apply that to your life uh, in your own time this week. So James chapter 1 verses 2 through 4. This is what we read. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. James opens his letter with teaching that is both countercultural and counterintuitive writing to Jewish Christians who had been scattered as a result of being persecuted for their faith. He says that our greatest growth and our greatest joy in life can actually come when we face the hardest times. I think it's common for us to run from the things that make us uncomfortable. As sinful people, our typical response is to hide from adversity. But James teaches us that we can actually experience growth even in the midst of difficult situations. He also teaches us that anything that helps us become more like Jesus should bring great joy into our lives. As we jump into James chapter 1, there are several important truths that remind us that the Christian life is meant to look radically different from the rest of the world. Being part of God's kingdom means living by the way of the kingdom. The world that we live in tells us to avoid trials, to avoid suffering at all costs. But James tells us to consider these times as an opportunity for great joy. This is because God will use these things to grow our faith and to make us more and more like Christ. So even in chapter 1, there's way too much information for a single message. So we're just going to focus on these first two verses. And I want to share the important truth with you about how God can use the trials that we face to make us more like Christ. I want to encourage you to allow God's word to redefine the purpose of trials in your life and to redefine what true and lasting joy really is. You'll notice in these first few verses that the end goal of trials in the life of the Christian is spiritual maturity. It's growing up in the faith. The end of verse 4 says, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The objective that God has for all of our lives, the end goal, is spiritual maturity. And one of the paths that God uses to get us there is the path of trials and testing. You see, the testing of our faith produces perseverance. And when perseverance finishes its work, the end result is maturity. I think we can be encouraged today that James is honest with us. He just tells us how it is. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. He isn't revealing a big secret to us. He's reminding us about something that we all already know. We all already know that life is full of all kinds of trials. 
Sometimes we call these things the storms of life. We know that life is full of trials. But James is also teaching us that God uses these trials as a means of testing. And it's a testing with design. Today I want to share six truths with you about trials and joy that are found in these first three verses. The first truth comes from the beginning of verse 3, which says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials. The first truth that we're going to talk about is this. Trials are inevitable. Trials are inevitable. You know, James doesn't say if you face trials. He says whenever you face trials or when you face trials. So whether you call them trials or the storms of life, these things are inevitable. My pastor in Oklahoma City likes to say that you're currently in the middle of a storm. You're just coming out of a storm or there's a storm on its way. If I were to go around the room on Sunday morning or talk to every person who's listening into the podcast this weekend, I think every person could share about a trial uh, that you've experienced. Now, there are some trials that you can see coming from 100 miles away, and others seem to happen unexpectedly. But either way, we all know this to be true, that trials are inevitable. The mere fact that, that we are sinful humans living in a fallen world should remind us that in this life we will face trials and suffering. We live in a world that's not operating how God originally intended. See, because of sin, we live in a fallen world, an imperfect world. And one result of living in a fallen and imperfect world are things like sickness, broken relationships, pain, and and even death. This is just the reality of the world that we live in. Take Job, for example. He was a man who knew as much about trials and suffering as anyone else. He said this in Job 5, verse 7. He said, Yet man is born to trouble as surely as sparks fly upward. I think the real cause for surprise would be a person going through life without having to face trials and suffering. I mean, that just doesn't happen. And yet, people tend to have this unrealistic hope that they can get through life without any trials without any challenges or difficulties. A lot of people believe that if you live the right way, if you say the right prayers, or if you're truly a godly person, then somehow you'll have a special path that bypasses the rocky terrain and uphill struggle that trials bring. Friends, can I be completely honest with you about this kind of thinking? This kind of thinking is foolish. It really is unhelpful and it's unbiblical. Trials like the kind we're reading about today, they're inevitable. In the Greek, the word trial can actually be translated as trial or the word temptation. And the best way to determine the translation is by looking at the context that surrounds the word. So in this case, the word trials actually means trials. James is saying, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials. The kinds of trials that he's talking about are the kind that put your faith to the test in order to prove that your faith is real. I would say these are constructive trials. James isn't saying consider it pure joy when you face temptation. It's not biblical to consider it pure joy when you're enticed or tempted to sin. That's not what he's saying. He's saying consider it pure joy whenever you face trials. James reminds us that trials are inevitable. The second truth that I want to talk about is this. Trials come in all shapes and sizes. 
They come in all shapes and sizes. James chapter 1, verse 2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. The word for many kinds in the Greek is the word multicolored or variegated. Now, I'm not a gardener. All right? If I tried to plant anything, I would do a great job at killing it. I couldn't cause anything to grow for sure. <laughs> but those of you who do garden will understand the word variegated. So in a garden or even in a forest, there are plants that come in all shapes, sizes, and colors. They are variegated. They, they vary in shape and size. In the same way, the trials that we face come in all shapes and sizes. You know, when you're young, you'll face certain kinds of trials. When you're a teenager, you'll face a different kind of trials. And when you're an adult at different ages and stages, you'll face certain kinds of trials. Life is full of trials. And these trials come in all shapes and sizes. I don't know about you, but I think this is helpful to hear. I'm glad that James is being this honest with us. As a Christian, maybe you feel the need to put a mask on sometimes. You know, pretending that everything is just fine in life. So I'll give you an example. You know, you come to church on Sunday or you gather with family. And what's the one question that people tend to ask in passing? They say, how are you doing? Or how's your week been? You know, it's a very shallow question. And I think we ask it because we're afraid to engage in deeper, meaningful conversations sometimes. If you're a teenager who's struggling with friends at school, you're having relationship problems, it's not always easy to admit that to your church family or to your normal family. (laughs) If you're a mom who stays at home with the kids during the day, it's not easy to talk about the trials that you face. If you're an empty nester or someone who's retired, it's not always easy to talk about the unique trials that you face in your season of life. This honesty from James is good for us to hear because it reminds us that we all face trials and that our trials come in all shapes and sizes. If you were to ask one of our teenagers here at church how life is going, you'd probably get a half-truth answer. They'd probably say something like, you know, things are good, I guess. I mean, certainly, there's probably some good things going on in that individual's life, but they probably wouldn't be quick to share some of the negative things, some of the trials. If you were to ask a stay-at-home mom how life is going, you'd probably get another half-truth answer, something like, you know, it's been an okay week. I mean, sure, there's probably been a lot of great things. Things are probably pretty okay, but they wouldn't be quick to talk about the trials in their life. If you were to ask an empty nester about how life is going, you'd probably get yet another half-truth answer. Something like, well, the grandkids are doing great. You know, the grandkids might be doing great, but how are you doing? I think we might need to just pause for a moment (laughs) and all confess our sins to one another today. That is the sin of lying, of course. It should be okay for us to share the things that are not always okay, especially with our church family. Can I let you in on an important truth today? That is this. For the Christian, even though we face trials of many kinds, God has a purpose for your pain and a reason for your struggle. Let me say that again. God has a purpose for your pain and a reason for your struggle. Trials come in all shapes and sizes. And one kind of trial that we see throughout God's word and that we certainly face in our own lives are what's called corrective trials. The psalmist wrote about this kind of trial in Psalm 119, verse 67. He said, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. So before this individual was afflicted, before trials came into his life, he was all over the place. 
He was living life astray, wandering, really without focusing on God in his life. But when trials came into his life, all of a sudden, he got serious about obedience. He got serious about following the Lord. Isn't that often the case in our lives as well? I mean, and we go through a difficult trial, a difficult situation, and it has a way of drawing us back to God. Yet for whatever reason, we try to avoid trials at all costs. And I'm guilty of this as well. I think there's a lot of so-called Christian books out there and Christian teachings that will try and persuade you that the genuine Christian experience should be lived out in the absence of trials. But that's not what we see in God's word. We learn in God's word that God will often use the trials that we face to correct our lives, to help get us back on the right path with the ultimate goal of making us more like Jesus. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, the apostle Paul said, To keep me from becoming conceited, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. In other words, Paul was experiencing a corrective trial in his life. Now, we're not told what that trial was, what the thorn in the flesh was, but we do know that God used it to help him from becoming conceited, from developing an inflated ego, and to help remind him that he can trust in God's power and in the promises of God. So friends, trials come in all shapes and sizes. And I certainly don't have time today to go into all the kinds of trials that we see throughout Scripture, but I think it's a good reminder that we all face trials and they come in all shapes and sizes. The third point that I want to talk about is this. Trials often happen unexpectedly. Trials often happen unexpectedly. When James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, uh, the most accurate translation for the word face is not what we think it is. It's actually a phrase, and it's the phrase fall into. It's the same phrase that we see in the parable of the Good Samaritan. So we see this in Luke chapter 10, specifically verse 30. It says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers. So this man was traveling down the road. He wasn't looking for the robbers, yet he fell among them. He fell into them. The verb that we have in many of our modern translations, like the NIV, when it says, whenever you face trials, I don't think it does a great job of helping us understand the trials that we experience. But if we look at our trials from the perspective of falling into them, I think we can better understand what James is talking about. See, there's often an unexpected nature to the trials that we experience. In this context, James is talking about the trials that that we meet or trials that we fall into, not trials that we make ourselves. These are trials that happen unexpectedly. Now, a little disclaimer, some of us are very good at making our own trials, all right? We're good at making terrible decisions, and then we have to face the consequences after a bad decision has been made. But these are not the kinds of trials that James is talking about. The simple and obvious emphasis that James is highlighting is the need for God's people to be prepared beforehand for how we're going to react and respond to the trials that we fall into, the trials that happen unexpectedly. If trials are inevitable, if they come in all shapes and sizes, and if they often happen unexpectedly, then it's important for us to be prepared for how we're going to react and respond when we do face them. So think about the trials of helping our parents as they age. That's a difficult trial. Or, or the trial of losing a loved one. 
What about the trials that come with the responsibility of parenting young children? Or, or the unique trials that a single person will face? What about the trials of starting a new job or moving to a new city? I mean, I mean, there's so many that we could talk about this morning. But James, at the beginning of his letter, is giving us a word of caution as well as a word of encouragement. He's saying trials often happen unexpectedly. And it's important that we're prepared for how we're going to react and respond when they do. And that leads us into the fourth truth. And that is that trials are there to test us as Christians. Trials are there to test us as Christians. James chapter 1, verse 3 says, Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. The kind of trials that James is talking about are the kind that are meant to test your faith. Now, trials have a way of proving the genuineness of our faith. And they have a way of making our faith grow. I think it's a lot easier to recognize this in the lives of other people. We're not always great about recognizing this in our own lives. I'll share a story about my pastor. I mentioned him earlier in the message, but his name's Paul Cunningham, and he pastors Westmore Community Church. About eight years ago, um, he experienced a very challenging trial, and today continues to, to deal with it. He had a stroke unexpectedly. I'm not going to give you all the details, but I can tell you that he went through some extremely difficult times. The church that he pastors went through some extremely difficult times as well. Paul understandably had to take a leave of absence, uh, giving a lot more responsibility to the rest of his staff. But after a few months of rehab, which he probably should have done a lot longer, he decided to start preaching again. As a result, of his stroke, he lost feeling in an entire side of his body, his, his arm, his leg, part of his face. But he wasn't willing to let that stop him from the work that God had for him. He still struggles today, but he would tell you that he wouldn't want things any other way. You know, the church is growing. They recently built a new building, and God is doing amazing things. I think his life should be an encouragement to everyone. It certainly is to me. I've never experienced a stroke, but his testimony reminds me to keep my faith in Jesus, regardless of what I face in life. He's choosing to respond to his trial in faith. His faith is being tested, and his faith is growing. Last week, we talked about the importance of spiritual exercise. So let me remind you that faith is like a muscle. And the more we exercise it, the more it grows. If you leave it alone, it gets weaker. One of the best ways that you can exercise your faith is by not throwing in the towel when times get tough. Right? Not throwing in the towel when you face trials of many kinds, as James says. That leads us to the fifth truth, and that is that trials develop perseverance. Trials develop perseverance in our lives. At the end of James chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And that's such a powerful word. It's an important word. I said earlier that some trials are corrective. You know, they help get us back on the right path. But there are also trials that are more constructive. God uses these kinds of trials to develop our character. What James says in verse 3 is similar to what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 5, verses 3 and 4. He wrote these words. He says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. So the trials that we fall into, 
The trials that we experience in life help produce perseverance in our lives. And perseverance develops character, and character produces hope. And the kind of hope that he's talking about is a kind of hope that reminds us that we're not alone in our trials. The kind of hope that reminds us that our strength comes from the Lord. The testing of our faith produces a kind of perseverance in us that enables us to keep living for Christ even when the world around us is not. It's a kind of perseverance that learns to view the storms of life through the lens of Scripture instead of viewing them through the lens of the world. Now, I'm not a good cook. All right, my kids will tell you that firsthand. They'll tell you that I can't even make a PB&J right. It's kind of sad. <laughs> but one thing that I do know about cooking is this. If you take a meal out of the oven prematurely, it's not going to taste right. It'll be undercooked. It'll be useless, all right? Nobody's going to want to eat it. Friends, if we pull out of the trials that we face prematurely, we might actually miss the benefit that the trial can bring. Even if you can't see it right now, the trials that you face are often good for you because they help develop you into the person that God wants you to be. Right now, I know that some of you are thinking about running away from a trial. You think it's, it's too tough. It's too hard. But I want to encourage you to trust God. I don't know what you're going through, but I do know that God likes to use the trials that we experience to develop in us a kind of perseverance that glorifies him and is for our good. Trials develop perseverance. That leads us to the sixth and final truth, and that is that God wants us to respond to trials in a biblical way. God wants us to respond to trials in a biblical way. We see this in verse 4. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I don't know why, but when I read this verse, the image that comes to mind is that of a luthier working on an acoustic guitar in a wood shop. Now, in case you don't already know, a luthier is someone who builds guitars or builds instruments. Um, luthiers, they can put in hundreds of hours uh, into one instrument. But what's sad is when an instrument is started but never completed. If the guitar isn't finished, it doesn't get to fulfill its intended use. It ends up being just a piece of wood that sits around collecting dust, never gets to make music. James is encouraging Christians to respond to trials in a biblical way. If we're going to mature in our faith, growing more and more into the image of Jesus, right? if we're going to become that finished product that God wants us to be, we have to learn how to respond to our trials biblically. You've all done some kind of training in your life, whether it's sports training when you were a kid or training in a job that you've had or a job you currently have. I remember training in wrestling practice back in high school. And I'll be honest, that was some of the funnest times I've had in my life, but also some of the most miserable. All right, Those practices were tough. One of the things that our coach would have us do in practice is to hold a push-up position. And if we dropped that position before the timer was up, we'd have to start all over again. Well, what did I do? You know, when the coach wasn't looking, I would drop to my knees instead of holding the position like I was supposed to. Now, I thought I was doing myself a favor, but I was really just cutting corners. And those kinds of decisions ended up hurting me later on. You know, I didn't have the conditioning to get through an entire match or the strength to face a tougher opponent. Friends, you and I will never grow in our faith if we're constantly trying to dodge God's training in our lives. Even though I couldn't see it at the time, uh, the training in wrestling was for my good. 
Even if you can't see it right now, God has a purpose for the trials in your life. There's purpose in the pain, purpose for the struggle that you're going through. Today, we've been reminded about the purpose of trials in our lives. Ultimately, they're to help grow us to maturity, to help grow our faith, and to make us more and more like Jesus. I want to wrap up my message by reading a paragraph from a commentary on James that was gifted to me by my wife's grandma. Uh, This commentary belonged to her grandpa, George, uh, who has since passed away, but he faithfully pastored the same Christian church for over 40 years. In this commentary, he's got things underlined. uh, He's got his own handwritten notes. It's pretty cool. So I want to read this paragraph for you. In his opening lines, James challenges the standards of the world. Worldly wisdom can see no value in suffering. It says pain is to be avoided at all costs, and only pleasure brings happiness. By contrast to Christians, even trials are a joy because they lead us to maturity in Christ. Christians judge quite differently than the world does. To us, the highest value is not freedom from pain, but a faith that perseveres. The suffering that life brings, although bad in and of itself, can be turned by God into pure joy. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking 